you turn to your Bibles, if you want to, Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to go quickly on this because I have a lot of material to go through. Tonight we're plowing, we're just plowing some serious Bible truth out of two places in the Bible, two, two events in the Bible. The children of Israel came out of Egypt with a fanfare of miracles. I mean, wow. Never before had those miracles been done any time since either. I mean, God just broke all the rules. God who makes the rules of nature has a right to break them and will break them, but not as much as you would think he would. He made them for reasons. Once in a while, he breaks them. He broke them for the children of Israel to take them out of, and to show his, and really the whole, the whole of those 10 miracles done to the Egyptians so that they may know that I am the Lord. That was really the reason he did all that. God cares about people that they know him. Whom to know really is life everlasting. And ignorance of is separation from God forever. And so he he carried them out of Egypt on eagle's wings. He protected them against the Egyptians. They saw the dead bodies of the Egyptians float up on the Red Sea shore. They didn't have to lift a finger. He destroyed the greatest army of their time without them lifting a finger. You would think a group like that would succeed. If anybody was going to succeed, you would think that group of people, about two, two and a half million of them, we're going to make it and do well. Would, 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 you not, would you not think that would be so? People often will say to me, if God would manifest himself to me, I'd follow him, I'd serve him. No, you won't. If you won't serve him without signs, you won't serve him with signs. Signs are not a good way. It never, never was. I've preached a lot around that whole idea of signs. So he gets them finally after about a year. He takes them out Sinai, gives them his law through Moses. They mess up down at the bottom of that mountain, want to go back to Egypt. He comes down, has to chastise them. Moses breaks the first set of Ten Commandments and goes back and gets another set. That was, by the way, those Ten Commandments were written on both sides by the finger of God. How, you ever want to know what God's, finger, what God's uh, handwriting's like? If you looked at those Ten Commandments, you would literally see the handwriting of God. He wrote those Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments were a summary of the 613 commandments that they were going to get. They hadn't received them yet. But eventually they received 613 specific commandments on it while God wanted them to live because he was, they were a nation peculiar into the world. Of all the nations of the world, God only chose them. Their job was to spread the news of who he was to the rest of the world. That was their job, be evangelistic. Isn't it interesting, the job of the church is the same job. You know Jesus Christ, spread it everywhere. The one big thing a local church has on their agenda to do for God is to spread the gospel everywhere. For it says in Romans, it is the power of God under salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so we don't save people. We just tell them how to be saved, and God and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God saves them. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so they ha- he has them. He finally brings them, and he's been telling them about this promised land since Moses was back there telling them that 
God wants to take you out of Egypt and out of your slavery and wants to set you on your own feet. He's going he's gonna to plunder Egypt of all their money and their wealth and their jewels, and they did. And they took all that, all that plunder, that money for their slavery all those 400 years or so, and they took it out. Meant God to Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments, the greatest, the greatest law ever given. The greatest moral law ever given. The greatest sociological law ever given, the Ten Commandments. And he brings them to Kadesh Barnea to go into this uh, Canaan land and to conquer seven nations that were much, much greater than the children of Israel. The children of Israel were slaves and they were workmen and they, they knew how to build stuff. But they were not warriors. But he took them into a land where the people were warrior-like. They built big, tall, walled cities. They had people like Goliath who were giants, who, were, who, who as, as Goliath said, learned war from his youth up. All, all Goliath was really good at was killing people. And here the children of Israel are going into this land and it would, look, it would look like impossible had you not seen the ten miracles and a year's worth of God's provision. They heard the voice of God. So they send a, a good idea. We're going to send one representative of every tribe. And it's not, this is just not everybody. anybody. This is a real... Those 12 spies that went into the land weren't just anybody. They were the best of the best. They were the best of the best that the people chose. They said, this guy, this guy will represent us. This guy will give us a good report back. So they sent him in the land. As you know the story, they went into the land. And they uh, came back. Woo! They came back and they said the land is everything you ever said it was. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. I said that many different times. The land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it's got prosperity written all over it. Uh, I mean, whoa, this is great. It's just what God told us. But there's a lot of people there that are big and warrior-like and got big cities, and they saw the obstacles rather than the bridge. Ten of them came back, as you know, and they gave a negative report. Two of them, Caleb Joshua, gave a positive report. Caleb Joshua said, let's do it. We can do it. God did it to Egypt, the largest uh, power in the world. These are nothing with them. They're, 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 they're bread for us, is what he said. They're just like bread for us. Ten said, no, no, no. Listen, we pick it up in verse 10 of chapter 14 of Numbers. But all the congregation bade stone them. That's Caleb and Joshua as they gave the good report with stones. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be that ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, 
I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. I will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Only God could do that. Skipping down to verse 19. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of thy people, Moses says, according to the greatness of thy mercy, thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even unto now. And in verse 20, and the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Wow. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened unto my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall they any of them be that provoke me shall see it. Verse 26, And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, saying, How long will I bear with this congregation with murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which murmur against me. Well, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Say unto them, As truly as I live, said the Lord, as he has spoken in my ears, so will I do it. He said, They said, We would rather have died in the wilderness. And God said, Okay. Okay. They pronounced their own judgment. We'd rather die in the wilderness than go into this land. Okay. They've spoken their judgment. And of course, as you know, anybody 20 or uh, over says, Your carcasses in verse 29 shall fall in the wilderness. You've despised me, verse 31. Verse 32, but as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. Verse 33, and your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. The children, which were not responsible for this, had to bear 40 long years in the wilderness. They were 60 years old some of them at least, before they got to go into the promised land they had heard about their whole life. Oh, warning, I give parents a big warning on this. Boom, 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 boom. What you do in moderation, your children may do in excess. And what you do, the best thing you'll ever do for your child is to live for Jesus, stay close to the Bible, ask God to help you, be humble in spirit, seek his face, that's the best thing you could possibly do for your child. What, a lot of times parents have the attitude, well, I don't want my child to have it as hard as I've had it. You know that's a bad thing. You know that's a bad thing. Do you all know that's a bad thing? You all pretty old. You've had a lot of kids. You know it should be as hard for your children as it was for you, for that's what helped you. The struggle is what helped you. Picking thistles is what helped you. Going there and milking the cows and living up in the top of a pig uh, barn to go work your way through college. That's what helped you. What you don't want your kids to have is you want to give them a free ride. Aren't we bad? I almost hurt myself. Getting pretty tender. There was no second chance. There was no second chance for those boys. I believe in a God that forgives. 
I believe our God is famous for his mercy. As, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. The mercy of the Lord is great. You can go through the Psalms and the Bible and it just talks and brags about the mercy of God, the mercy of God. But don't you tempt the Lord. And say, well, I'll do this. I know it's wrong. But I'll ask forgiveness and God will forgive me. Oh, my brother, are you on thin ice? Are you on thin ice? Don't do that. Don't do that. Yes, our God's merciful. Yes, our God forgives transgressions and iniquities or we wouldn't be sitting here tonight and we wouldn't even be here tonight. But don't test him. Because there could be a situation that rises there's no second chance as these, as these uh, people had going into the promised land. They turned on God one too many times. And God said, you're not going in. As you know, Moses even got caught up in that whole thing. Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. He was the meekest man on earth. What is meekness? Controlled power. He had a sense of control about him, a sense of, of, sense of gentleness about him, but he was a man of understanding. He was a man that had power. And he got caught up and didn't obey God publicly, and God said, you're not going in either. Oh, and he could just about get anything from, almost could get anything from God, but there was no second chance after Moses sin before God, and, just, and, and we may, I want to say it this way, he, he embarrassed God publicly. Well, I'll tell you one thing you'd never want to do as a kid is I never want to embarrass my dad. I don't know about you guys. But if I embarrassed my dad publicly by acting up and being a old man, when we got home, it was the end of the world, man. Another case of no second chance is Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a, a little bit of soup, mess of pottage. Esau was carnal. What was Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved? It wasn't. It wasn't because it, I don't. Not the, the, the Calvinist wants to take that as as uh, as just uh, a choosing without anything involved other than God's just will on the deal. Uh, if had Esau behaved, he would have and done right. He would have been loved by God. But because he was fleshy, and they that are in the flesh, Romans eight, cannot please God. And and Esau was always about the flesh. He always put the flesh first. Give me pottage or I die. I want to yell at the text when I read that. You sissy. Oh, give me something to eat or I die. Oh, come on. You can go without food for 30 days straight up and down and just drink water. Oh, but I'd want to die. Well, you may want to, but you're not going, probably going to. Now, there's a doctor in the house here, so he's probably going to tell me later. But anyways, my Google doctor credentials may be out there on the edge. I don't know. But now people fast for 30 days. Here at this church, we fasted seven days, water only, numbers of times. You can do it. People have come up to me and said, you mean you can go without food for 24 hours? I'm saying, oh, Man, that makes me feel bad when you say that. Esau. 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 
sold his birthright, insulted God. When Esau heard the words of his father when he, when, he, when he couldn't bless him in Genesis chapter 27, verse 34, he cried with a great and exceeding cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But it was too late. No second chance. It remarks about this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. Something we actually may not have known had it not been revealed in the New Testament. It said, Let there, lest there be any fornicator, that's a fleshy person, sensual person. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. What was the birthright? The firstborn male is holy under the Lord, under the economy of Israel. And they receive a double portion of the inheritance. The firstborn breaks the matrix. They're considered holy under the Lord, and they get a double portion. And he had this as a gift from God. You're the firstborn Esau, and you're going to get a double portion, and you're kind of the authority of the family. He despised it, didn't care about it, Care more about his belly than he did God's word. Verse 17, you know, for you know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. This is uh, Hebrews 12, 17. For he found no place of repentance, though, and I've looked at this many, many times, though he sought it carefully with tears. Think about what I'm saying. Young people. You may get tempted to do something, commit some act of the flesh that you'll never get over. You'll cry and beg God to take the consequences away from you, and you will, you will seek God's, God's forgiveness and God's mercy carefully. But it won't change what happened. And forever... You'll remember, as David said, my sin is ever before me. It's like a tormentor. No second chances sometimes. So what do these groups of people have that I mentioned here going for them, especially the children of Israel? Well, First of all, they had a great God. Some 11 times God tells these people that all the miracles and wonders they've done, that they may know that I'm the Lord. These uh, people that were going into the promised land. Secondly, they had a great leadership. They had Moses. They had a great God. They had great leadership. Moses, you're not going to get better than Moses. The Bible says in Numbers 12.3, No, Moses was very meek above all men. We're upon the face of the earth. That's a good type of a leader. The best leaders are leaders who are not power hungry, but responsible to represent the people they lead and the God they serve. Moses, Moses carefully represented both God to man and man to God. He represented the people of God. He represented God. Thirdly, what they have, they had great privilege. So they had great God, they had a great leader, and they had great privilege. They were under the personal tender care of God himself, the children of Israel, Exodus 19.4. Ye have seen what I did under Egyptians, how that I bear you on eagles' wings and brought 
you up brought, and brought you unto myself. In verse 7 there of Exodus chapter 6, he says, I will take you to me for a people. I will be to you a God, and you shall be, you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I want to say this as clear as I can say it. Antisemitism is anti-God. There is no reason to hate the Jews. They're God's people. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it, he didn't ask you. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he'll bless them that bless Abraham and his seed, and he'll curse them who curse Abraham and his seed. And far as I know, that's not been rescinded. And if you look in world history, how's Germany doing? After they cursed the Jews and killed 6 million of them. By the way, they killed 6 million handicapped people too. They killed six, I think they killed around 6 million gypsies and handicapped and other people, not just the Jews. But they were trying to annihilate the Jews. And how and an interesting uh old Dick Carr, many of you know Dick Carr, he was a bomb site. He was he flew a B seventeen over Europe, thirty-five missions. And he had he was uh I can't remember the name of that bomb site, famous bomb site that we developed. <clears throat> and for thirty five for thirty-five missions, he bombed Europe at night with incendiary bombs. We're talking barrels full of kerosene. And he burned their cities flat with all the people in them. Talk about killing civilians. We killed as many civilians as we could kill. Hello? What is this rules of war thing? When you go to war, there are no rules. We dropped a bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and it wasn't a a bunch of military people we dropped it on. We dropped it on people, babies, children, women, goats, dogs, cats, anything that was there, we incinerated them. To this day, they don't know how many died in Nagasaki. I read the book. They think maybe 100,000 instantly died, and the other maybe over 200,000. They don't even know. It just vaporized most of them. They were within three kilometers, I believe, of the major bomb. Who do you think was behind all that? You think Germany got treated that way because of the way they treated the Jews? In the sovereignty of God? Because I go on this, if you, don't, if you want to argue with me about this, I'll go, to, I'll go to Romans chapter 13. It says, there's no power but of God. And the powers that be are ordained of God. We did what we did because God, I believe, moved us to do what we did. And we're one of the kindest nations that's ever been in history. Listen, I'm not saying that because I live in America. I'm saying I've studied history. I've studied American history, world history. And I've never seen a nation which went in and conquered somebody and then prospered them better than themselves. We, we rebuilt Japan better than we had it. I worked for Bethlehem Steel Mill, and our smelting furnaces were old, old, back before World War I. 
and they were not efficient. We went over to Germany, and we went over to Japan, and we built them brand new smelting equipment that was updated and energy efficient and did a better job to the place where it was cheaper to send our raw materials over to Europe and have them smelted and brought back than it was to do it here. That's America. We had only one that had the atomic bomb after bomb after World War II. Uh, if 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 Truman, I went to Truman's library and learned a lot of this stuff. If Truman had listened to MacArthur, MacArthur had twenty-seven more cities he wanted to nuke. Twenty-seven more he wanted to nuke. They were all through China. He wanted to take China. He says this is our opportunity to conquer China and to conquer everybody. They can't resist us. They can't fight us. He was a soldier. And Truman said, this is what Truman said. I got this right from his library. He says, someday I'm going to stand before God. And I already have too much blood on my hands. Because he authorized Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And he said, I don't want to answer to God with any more blood. MacArthur was willing to. And so we stopped. I think that whole thing, the way Germany got treated and decimated was because they killed the Jews. Don't you take a position against the Jews. God chose them. I didn't. You don't like them? That's fine. In fact, there's a lot of Jews. There's a lot not to like about Jews. But there's a whole lot not to like about me. Don't ever complain. I gave you the best shot you're ever going to get. I'm glad my wife didn't say something. Where's my wife at? Oh, thank you for being quiet. They had great privilege. They had personal tender care of God. They had a land flowing with milk and honey. They had a perpetuation of their seed. What did they do with what they had? The children of Israel, they dishonored God. Esau dishonored God with what he was given. Those men that wouldn't go into the promised land. They disowned their leadership. Going into at Kadesh Barretia, they said, let us make a captain. And go back to Egypt. Well, what was that? Dishonoring the leadership. Moses was their leader. They said, let's get rid of Moses and get us another guy who will do what we want him to do, and he'll take us back to Egypt because it was better in Egypt than it is here. This is crazy. They disowned their own leadership. Thirdly, they despised their privilege. Israel treated going into the promised land as if it was like no big deal. just like some people possibly even sitting in this church tonight who've been raised in the privilege of an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing church that loves God. And you've taken it for granted and realized it's just really no big deal. And figure that it's always going to be here. Don't make the mistake they made. There could be a day you're going to be hunting for a church to go to. Value 
what God's given you. Sit there, slap yourself. Say, this didn't come by accident. This came by blood, sweat, and tears of people who prayed all night and begged God to help and put it together. And God said, yes, I will do that. And he did that. And then once he does it, support it, get behind it, make it prosper. By your mother grace of God, value what God, they didn't. They didn't value what God gave them. He took it away from them. The consequences were they suffered permanent loss. He said, your carcass is going to fall in the wilderness. Esau, you're not going to get your, not going to get your uh, double blessing back. What they do? They tried to take it by their own power. They said, we can do this without God. When they said they were going to go back into the land, and they were going to, they were, we're going to get together. Hey, we made a mistake. We're going to get together. We're going to go back in the land. What was that really telling? That was saying, we can do this without God. And they went back in there and got whipped right away, got a bunch of them killed, fled before the enemy. Brother, you can't have a local church without God, and if you did have it, you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want it. They had a perpetual loss. They had perpetual shame. Your children will wander in the wilderness for 40 years and bury your whoredoms. Those, those children were constantly reminded of the sinfulness of their parents, the disbelief of their parents. I, I bet a few of them said, Dad, Mom, why in the world didn't you go in the promised land when you had the opportunity to do it? Why didn't you obey God? He had everything going for you, everything. Now here we are in the wilderness. It's dry. My lips are chapped. I'm sunburned. It's sand. We're eating this manna. Thirdly, they suffered a pitiful end. They dropped one by one. Somehow I got a feeling that when the last guy came around to die. Now they knew the young people, which were 20 and under, were not held responsible. And so their parents were, grandparents were. And so he said, all of them are going to die in the wilderness before you get to go into the promised land. They got that. And so they started dying off, right? 40 years is a long time now. I've been here for 44 years, a long time. And so 40, 40 years a long time. So they began to drop off, drop off, drop off, drop off. Pretty soon it got down to maybe a handful of them that were the old school. How are you feeling today? Oh, you got a little heart pain? Got a little heart pain there? Oh, here, why don't you run with me and see if we can make that thing go. Then one would die. Then another one died. We got down to the last guy. Somehow I feel he had all eyes upon that last guy. Man, today may be the day. You're going to die today, I hope. So we can go into the promised land. Finally, the last guy died. Too many times people have lost what they could not regain over some cheap thrill or lust. It was but paper mache. Don't give up the permanent, Bob Jones Sr. Don't give up the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Don't be like the people that didn't go into the promised land. Don't be like Esau, who was a fleshy man and cared about his flesh and his desires of the flesh. Don't be like the lost generation of Israel. For sometimes, 
There's no second chance. Our Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that the Bible helps us and warns us and gives us heads up so that we'll not fall in the same kind of, after the same example that these people fell. And we'll not have the same trouble happen to us that happened to them. Man, I don't want anything that they did. I don't want to do what Esau did. I don't want to do what these, these people did under Moses and wouldn't go into the promised land. I want to be a Caleb. I want to be a Joshua. Don't take what God has given you for granted. Don't, don't think it'll always be here. Relish the moment that God's given you for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.